The following is brought to you with no commercial interruptions. Listen up. Yeah, it just hits you. But, you know, a lot of people say, like, they give up dairy, like, for health reasons, mm-hmm. and they feel, like, wildly better, which I just, I've never really thought. I mean, I'm not eating, like, blocks of cheese and stuff, but, I mean, I like pizza. I mean, I, I eat cereal. I like mm-hmm. ice cream, and I'm just like, I don't, I mean, I guess I could. I just, I guess I just don't care enough to, to really put my health at the forefront like that. <laughs> Health over taste? No way. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I don't know, man. You only get to taste once. Yeah, but I, I, I'm, uh, I try to be as vegan as I can. Like, I'll occasionally have just uh, pizza that's just, you know, just regular cheese pizza just because, right. you know, you can get it anywhere. And, you know, it's a whole lot cheaper than the stuff you can get from, you know, buying vegan frozen pizza or something like that and making it at home. So sure. Like, ah, you know, just get some shitty pizza or whatever like that. Right. But, um the fake cheese like fake melty cheese and stuff like that like if i've i've had a couple times lately from the past like couple months or something like that so like um you know like craft mac and cheese or like uh nacho cheese or whatever that you can buy in jars and then you heat up and stuff like that there's something in those that gives me migraines now oh wow so i'll have that and then like the next day or you know hours later i just have a migraine i'm just like what the hell <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that nacho cheese is good, but I don't think it's migraine good. Yeah, no, no, it's not. <laughs> You're like, no, actually can confirm. Nothing, nothing, nothing's that good, at least while you're in it. You're, you know, at the time you're like, mm, this is yummy. And then you later, you're just like, ah, yeah. shit. Yeah. Well, it's like drinking, you know, like, and then the next morning, like mm-hmm. your head feels like it's like splitting open and you're like, I don't know that I had that good of a time last night, you know, to deal with these, uh, yeah. to deal oh, with yeah. these repercussions. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 2 of the Better Band Podcast, an all-encompassing trip through the Pearl Jam catalog. I am your host, Brandon Palomo. Each episode, my guest and I go track by track through every album, soundtrack, and single to discover why you simply can't find a better band. Welcome back to the Better Band Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon, and today we continue with our Vitology Marathon. I don't know. I I (laughs) should have thought of something to say before I started talking, but I have Ryan Bauer back with me to talk Spin the Black Circle. How's it going, Ryan? Good, good. Thanks for having me back. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well, except for these damn allergies that you think are gone. It's like, oh, it's not summer anymore. It should be okay. And then it rains once or something, and then everything kicks back up again. You're like, crap. When you're in the uh, you're in the Southwest, so you guys don't do you guys don't do freezing here in here in Kansas. Once we get a freeze, then it's just over. It's like you rejoice. I'm far enough north from the Southwest, closer to the uh, you know Sierra Nevadas and stuff like that. So it's. Uh, It'll 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 freeze, but the fall is a real sort of in-betweenish sort of liminal space of seasons where it's probably like a week or two where it'll be, oh, okay, it's kind of cool and crisp and you know, it's not hot and oh, okay, cool. And then it just turns into just, oh, it's winter now, and it's kind of like, oh crap, now I gotta, you know, scrape my damn windows every morning and <laughs> deal yeah. with that yeah that's a bad scene <laughs> uh so this is the first single from the epic album life as it was uh as was written on the single at the time when it came out before they actually figured out the name vitology for the album that came out november 8th 1994 the b-side of which was Tem- tremor christ and this is primarily a stone gossard written tune at least the main sort of riff and stuff that Eddie heard a uh, demo on, and I guess it was either on a tape, Stone's little handy little micro cassette recorder or something, and either had the uh, the speed or pitch up a little bit faster than it was supposed to be, or was listening at regular speed, and was like, oh, how's this sound fast, or something like that, and was like, oh, yeah, this rocks. Yes, absolutely. Well, you know, it's, uh, it's an interesting song, because when it comes out uh, in the Vitology era, you know, we're, we haven't done the Ticketmaster crisis yet, but there's definitely like a little bit of the pushback from the fame mm-hmm. and the whole, 
Pacific Northwest, Seattle, grunge explosion, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Um, you're hearing about a lot of the, the DIY punk ethos and, and things like that. And this feels like one of their, their more punk driven songs. Um, especially, especially at the time of its release. interesting juxtaposition because it it has that that melodic vibe um, where it slows down a little bit at least at least lyrically or vocally you know they're right on that uh, like kind of right in that midway point but it I mean it, it is a fast song it's fast on the album you know as I've been listening to it again this week just to not re-familiarize but uh, you know spend some time with it it's so fast on the album and then it's even faster live and there's no, there's no let up. It's almost like an extended Lucan where you can actually understand the words, <laughs> which is, which is funny. Um, you know, and, and one of the things that I thought was so interesting is that it, it leads directly to the, uh, you know, what is art and how do you, how do you quantify or rate art? Because it's, it's their lone Grammy at the, at the time. And maybe they, maybe they got one for packaging for lightning bolt. I could be way off on that, but in terms of all the songs that they've had come out, and you wouldn't necessarily consider this one of the the big staples in terms of hit singles or anything like that, but it is the only one that won uh, a Grammy for hard rock performance there in 94, 95. Yeah, best hard rock performance, 96 Grammys. Yeah, it's kind of, the single came out in 94, and then, well, I guess that would be the 95 nomination period, and then the awards were in 96. So I guess that's how you how you get that. Yeah, so they so they win that in 96, which is kind of which is kind of interesting because yeah, you said that it came out in 94, right? Mhm. Yeah, and so they also were nominated for album of the year in 96 for Vitology and rock album for Vitology. And somehow I I didn't look to see who won cuz I didn't really care, but it's for just, album it's, of the year? Yeah, in 96. Yeah, so it it I just I've always thought that was interesting because I love the song. And like when they play it live, it's great, and everybody gets into like that frantic pace. But you certainly wouldn't, you know, if you talk to a casual fan, you certainly, I don't think you would start at uh, at Spin the Black Circle. You might get there, depending on how how willing a participant they were. But I don't think you'd get there right off the bat. Yeah, they were uh, nominated with uh, Joan Osborne's Relish, her, her uh, big debut album, uh, Michael Jackson's mm-hmm. His Story. Uh, past, present, future, part one. Mm-hmm. Mariah Carey's Daydream album, and then uh, Alanis Morissette won it for Jagged Little Pill. Yeah, which I could see that. It's like, okay, yeah, that was a huge album. And yeah, that makes sense. Probably deserved it more than an album that has bugs, <laughs> or <laughs> right. stupid mop on it. Yeah, Vitology does have the uh, the weird uh, the weird tag of having some of the most completely like throw away Pearl Jam songs in their entire catalog easily. Oh no, Lightning Bolt did win. It's not updated on the Grammys website. Oh man. How do you do that, Grammys? Well it's I don't think they're really all that concerned with Pearl Jam. It's not it's not in their top oh. forty. It won for packaging, right? For like album packaging. Yeah, yeah yeah. I don't know I don't know why, but I I I felt like I remembered that or, or heard that for for some reason. Which I'm sure they probably are more proud of than the uh than spin the black circle winning. Well, it, they didn't make the art for it, so it's kind of like we told this yeah. guy to make this. You know, we told somebody to make the paintings for us, and they did. And it's like, okay, cool. And then it's like, oh, okay, they won. Oh, we don't win for our music; we just win for our, uh, you know, telling somebody else to do something else. Yeah. Don Pendleton. Yeah, and uh, you know, not to get off on a tangent, but he released a lot of alternative takes or artworks or proofs on that album on Facebook this last week or two. Oh, really? For Lightning Bolt, yeah, and they're oh, from the uh, anniversary of it coming out or whatever. Yeah, and they're great. Like they're, you know, you get used you get used to what you've seen with the album, but some of the alternative takes are are really good. Where you're like, 
you know, I mean, I don't know how they picked and obviously we're not in the band, but there it's, it's why it was at least wildly interesting to me uh, at the very least. Yeah. I think that was, that was uh, they had, I don't think it was record store day. I think it was just something on their website where they released like the whole album as seven inch singles or something like that. And they had the artwork, you know, on each, they had their each own, Mm. you know, sleeves on the 45s and had the big sort of artwork on it like that, that you could see. It's like, Oh man, that'd be cool. But yeah, it's called seven. Yeah, I think so. I don't, I don't think I want to reach out the the money for it, but that would be cool to have. No. Yeah. That was my deal. I was like, I was like, that would be cool. What a pain in the ass to play the entire album via seven-inch singles. Yeah. yeah, I was like, I think I'm too lazy, and I'm certainly not gonna. I'm certainly not gonna stand in line hours on end for that. Uh, but back to the uh, the song at hand, right? Yeah, sorry. No, 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 that's totally okay. Hey, this this uh, uh, tangents is probably what uh, the the sub title for this uh, podcast <laughs> besides Better Band, the Tangents Podcast. Sure, Better Band Tangents. <laughs> It was kind of cool that this song came out, I believe, in the cycle where all of the Seattle bands were releasing vinyl for these albums. Mm-hmm. I think it was um, Alice in Chains had Jar of Flies, um, Nirvana had In Utero, and Soundgarden had uh, Super Unknown. And then with Phytology, they right. all released them on vinyl. I don't know if they released them before, just like at the same time, it was kind of like a cool happenstance or you know maybe it was a conspiracy they all did it that way (laughs) right well and it's also the you know at least in terms of pearl jam specifically it's the last album that has a widespread vinyl release you know if if you if you played the catch-up game there at some point where you tried to get all the albums on vinyl it was 10 verses and vitology Mm -hmm. were so easy to get and then once you got to that no code yield binaural on and on and on. I mean, it got, it got real hard. Really? Yeah. It's, uh, I, I didn't get into vinyl personally until maybe let's call it, uh, I don't know, let's call it five, six years ago. Mm -hmm. And so I tried to go back and, and grab them and it was just a quick eBay and, and I had 10 and verses and vitology real quick. And then it was, you had to start to either bring on some imperfections in the packaging. You know, I, I didn't mm-hmm. want to get a, a record that was messed up, but starting with, uh, starting with no code and, and going forward, uh, they were really hard to get. And, and I don't know, Vitology sold a ton of units um, early, especially on vinyl, but I think they, they, they pulled that way back after that. And I don't know if that was, you know, because of, of what no code, like kind of coincided with what the band was doing and things like that, or they kind of were, uh, they were kind of were pulling back from the the general public or or that kind of fame specter. But yeah, Vitology is the one that uh, Vitology and everything before that you can get can or could, and now they've reissued mm-hmm. everything. So this is a little mute, moot point, but for a for a point in time for fans, it was uh, it was an easy one to get for sure, which makes sense, you know, being with the inclusion of of said song. I know with um with Vitology, I got it on vinyl from a radio call in contest. I was, oh. you know, the ninth caller or whatever, and I said, "Oh, you got the Vitology and Vinyl." I was like, "Oh, awesome!" That is awesome, actually. And then, um, like all the other ones, I just went into we had a we had a Tower Records at that time. It's like it just opened up, and I was okay. able to get No Code and Yield and Binaural just walking in day it came out and they had the vinyls there. I was like, "Oh, awesome!" Or I guess vinyl there, since yeah. the plural isn't vinyls. Everybody going to get on me for that now. Oh, crap. Right. Yeah. And my understanding is if you didn't get them on that first that first run when they came out, I, I think then you you fell into the eBay disc dogs, yeah. you know, online trading uh, gamut, so to speak. Yeah, because then I think um, just like on the Pearl Jam website, like I was able to get the vinyl of uh, 10 inverses, you know, years after they came out. They're like, oh, yeah, we're just selling it on here. It's like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, you know, and it's it's interesting. It's there's something to be. I think everybody has it on a certain level, a a certain level of FOMO. You know, fear of missing out or inclusion or wanting to have like this is my favorite band. I want to have all the records on vinyl. You know, and things like that. And so you make you make rash decisions. You know, where you could have just waited it out and and got them all to re-release. Because I certainly did that, and then I was like, well, shit, that's a lot of money wasted. So that's just something that we just don't 
that's just something that we just don't tell the wife. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I don't know. You know, they were gifts. And they're like, she's like, no one's giving you gifts. You're not that cool. I'm like, yeah, you're right. Um, Sure, I do. It was a secret Santa. Yeah, that's it. That's the ticket. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I guess funny, funny story about this song, or, or at least like my, you know, my interpretation of it. And for whatever reason, I don't remember this coming out as the single, you know, in terms of Vitology. I, I just don't like I don't I didn't pay attention enough or wasn't wasn't keyed in enough um, at that time for Spin the Black Circle. It, you know, it, I feel like I kind of got more like I knew more about like Corduroy and Nothing Man and Better Man. And then it felt like Spin the Black Circle was something that I discovered later. And f- so for whatever reason, I thought for the longest time that it was about heroin. And the the needle, the the, you know, the record needle, not being infinitely familiar with with vinyl, I was like, oh, this is just a song about heroin. And then I was like, I don't think they're doing heroin. Mm-hmm. But then you had, you know, it seemingly like every Alice in Chain song was about heroin. And then you had the uh, you had the one hit wonder from the '90s by Kay's Choice, "Not an Addict," which is like very clearly about heroin from a you know as I understand it, as a non-heroin user. <laughs> and then uh, and then I was always like, oh, okay, cool, whatever. Like, I don't give a mm-hmm. shit. Like, you know, as you start to learn about it, you know, or as you, as I got more familiar with vinyls and record players and things like that, I was like, oh, it, this is just Eddie's love song to a record or a record player. And then you start to understand when you when you get to that point too, like there's something to be said with saying like, I'm going to go put this record on and I'm going to, you know, drop the needle, you know, this this crooked arm, and uh, you know, and it becomes appointment appointment listening to where you have to spend some time with it, and especially you know as we as we get into you know where we are right now, like as a society and things like that, it's great to have that deal where you're just like, look, for 45 minutes or an hour, or however long this album is, like I'm gonna be there with that album. Like you can leave and it'll still play until the until the side ends, but generally speaking, it's not. You know, it's not like just pulling something up on a playlist on a Spotify or Apple Music or things like that. And so you start you start to get and you start to remember some of those things about when you'd buy the CD, you know, or the album, and you'd sit down and you'd read the liner notes and you'd look at the artwork. And it was it was a both a visual and you know audio uh, yeah. immersion experience and things like that. And you know, I mean, a, there's just not a lot of that going on anymore. Um, unless you're unless you're buying records. I mean, it's hard to find CDs anymore. You know, I we've got a couple of local record stores here in Kansas City and there's nothing wrong with them and I like them quite well, but I mean, if I if there's an if there's a new album that comes out and I just want to get it on CD and make sure that I really like it before I pull the trigger on a vinyl, that's tough sledding. I mean, it's it, it they're hard to come by unless it's unless it's yeah. something that's widespread at a, at a Target. I mean, you're be- you're better off just ordering it from the band or there's, you know, some independent record stores that are that are pushing out some pretty good volume online. I mean, that's almost the way to go. And so it's just it's super interesting. And and you get it maybe after the fact, you know, and I'm sure a lot of people maybe slightly older than myself uh, that were in vinyl when the song came out totally understood it. But it's just yeah. great. And it's just like such a simple song about he's just like, I love record players and I love records and I'm going to make a song that's not even three minutes about it. And it's going to be super fast. Like it's kind of great because it's so simple, you know. And it's it's not about anything, especially at that point in the in the catalog. I mean, you're dealing with like there's a lot of heavy stuff. Like Ten is such a heavy album, you know, emotionally and things like that. To have kind of not a throwaway song, but a, a song that's just I like records, you know, m- m- more or less is like is is kind of cool because you know at some point everybody needs a break. You know, you can't do overly emotional all the time and, and you know and you got to think in a in a live setting when they're playing 30 some songs like eddie does some of the heavy ones and and you know kind of puts his guts out there and he's done it enough now that maybe maybe it doesn't get him every night but it's got to be nice to have have a song like this where he's like let's just rip their hair off for three minutes and it's about nothing at all you know i mean it, it, or it's about an in in inanimate object that that can't possibly love you back and it can really only hurt you unless it, if it gets scratched. <laughs> but other than that, like, you know, it just kind of is what it is, which which I think is great. And and it's it's nice to have something so basic and common um, 
in the grand scheme of things, like it's it's nice. It's why people watch shitty TV shows that that are about nothing. You know, you know, call it kind of mindless manner, but. But this is kind of mindless manner that you really start kind of jamming your head to and, you know, maybe straining that neck a little bit and, and you get to yell a little bit and, and sing and, and bounce around. And it does kind of feel like uh, in terms of that album, I mean, there's some other fast ones, you know, whipping and things like that. But this feels like maybe kind of one of the last like real, I don't even know if this is a word, but like moshy songs, like, you know, because it felt like you were still doing mosh pits and stuff back back there in the mid 90s, like which is such a which is such a great deal like let's run into each other as hard as we possibly can yeah. while we listen to music like what the fuck was wrong with us <laughs> and, and, I, and and i guess that's what happens when you don't have a smartphone <laughs> i think smartphone uh, cell cell phones smartphones killed uh killed the mosh pit <laughs> yeah well i think concussions and you oh, know yeah, you don't want to break your phone it's like oh no don't hit me don't oh, oh i don't want to break my phone i gotta hear my pocket i don't want to fall down oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think if you mosh now, you would one of the things you would be worried about would not be like, don't hurt me. It's like if you break this phone, I don't think I have a thousand dollars like to go buy a new one <laughs> like today. And I don't know how I'm going to live without without said phone. But, you know, it they kind of fizzled out. It, it, it The moshing kind of fizzled out because it's obviously like hyper like aggro, like male, I don't know, testosterone release. But not not to go back to the Grammys or give them any more credence than they they deserve, which they deserve very little of, is like. But Alanis Morissette won Record of the Year the same year that this song won Album of the Year or Hard Rock Performance, I guess. That's when you started to have like you know some female artists and things like that because I feel like the Cranberries are kind of right around that same time, and then you it was right like around Lilith Fair, Lilith Fair, and all that stuff. But yeah, it was like you couldn't take your girlfriend to a show because you couldn't put her in a mosh pit because she'd get the shit kicked out of her. Right. So there was like a little bit of like, maybe we should stop moshing. And then, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that's been one of the nice things about that. There's been some shows that I've been to where I've been fairly uncomfortable with either like my sister or a female friend or my wife. And I'm like, this is a little much, but somehow some way like, and you know, it comes from the guys on stage. The, the Pearl Jam shows never have gotten to a point where they've been so rough. Like they are really pretty good even like dating back to some of like the most recent like Wrigley performances where they've stopped and said like, Hey guy, like you like get your finger out of that girl's face or stop hitting that girl. And like, they'll just kick people out. Like their, their zero tolerance for it is, it should be commended at a, at a very high level. Cause look, we're all there to party and have a great time, but like nobody wants to get the shit kicked out of them or like have that drunk asshole yeah. that, you know, ruins it for them. Cause you know, everybody paid money for a show and everybody should be able to enjoy it and you can enjoy it. And, and maybe it, it gets diminished by who's around you a little bit, but certainly it shouldn't be from an intimidation or like physical violence front. Yeah. I know that there was um like around that time and stuff like that and being in like a mosh pit or being, you know, kind of like up at the front and in the floor and stuff like that too. I mean, sometimes guys would just be standing behind a girl and would just pick them up to like crowd surf them or whatever. And, you know, just so that they can, you know, touch them and grope them and stuff like that as they were, you know, getting passed around and stuff like that, yeah. too. Yeah, super against their will, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and if that happened, you know, today with, you know, the advent of Twitter and Facebook and all that, I mean, it would be a it'd be a national nightmare. And I'm not saying what, what was happening back then was right or anything like that, but it was just, you know, it was more reckless. It was a little bit more wild, wild west, which seems a, kind of a weird thing to say about the, the mid-90s, but... I guess here we are talking about it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was going to say, as far as this being the single too, yeah, it's like I, it was the first single and I think I, I, I never, you know, never heard this on the radio really. They'd played Tremor Christ, at least um, out here in uh, in Nevada and Reno, a whole lot more than, you mm-hmm. know, than, than the zero times they played Spin Black Circle. And they played a ton of songs off this record that weren't even singles, you know, and like you said, like Nothing Man and and corduroy and stuff and better man was never a, an official single i don't think it just no. like it caught on as people got the album and you know in, in terms of songs on on that album it's one of the most accessible and so obviously that lends itself to to radio airplay for sure it's interesting that so this came out in 94 and you know we we just talked about lightning bolt like very briefly and then now it's like it kind of has like that uh i don't want to say like little brother but it's like the kind of sort of buddy in let the records play. And now when they, when they do those back to back live, like it's kind of a cool thing and it's, they're both, they're both fast. And you know, the, the merits of 
of which one is better is certainly, I mean, there's a right answer. It's been the black circle, um, <laughs> but they go, they, they go well together. And it's, it's interesting to, um, it's interesting to hear how they wrote about records and albums and that experience. And, you know, you go to the record store and you get there at midnight or you go there like first thing in the morning, like, which you don't see that as much anymore other than, you know, a record store day, but they're still writing. I mean, the, what the time between lightning bolt and vitology is what damn near 20 years, right? 94. And yeah, that sounds about right. About 20 years, give or take, you know, and they're, they're writing similar songs and, you, you know, so pessimistically you could say they're writing the same shit 20 years later, but optimistically or half glass full, you're like, you know, they still care about some of the same things, which is nice, you know, and, and while we've evolved and they've evolved and things like that, you know, we're still kind of talking about some of the same things and, and it kind of plays in because now, you know, it seems like every hipster and, and young person is getting back into records and, and maybe they're doing it cause it feels like the cool thing. But I, I guess I feel a lot better about our youth at large, like having records and like actually spending some time with the music and everything's not a, you know, pre-curated playlist, like listen, listen to an album. You know, I, I've always been a big proponent of they made an album and organized it the way that they did for a very specific reason. Now you can disagree with it. You can mm-hmm. rearrange it if you want, but you should at least give it the time to say like, why do they do this song first? Why is this the album closer? Why did they put, Hey, Fox, Amelia, stupid mop, all that shit on there. Like, who the fuck greenlighted that? Like, that was right, you know. And then some people are probably like, "Well, then why the hell they put bugs on there?" And I'm like, "Well, you know, I actually kind of like bugs, so let's let's maybe let's maybe pump the brakes on on talking about bugs." But the way that they intended it, you know, and it's like it's obviously all uh, it's all audio, and then you do get the visual component with the artwork of the album and the liner notes and all that stuff. But like, if you watch a video, or not a video, you watch a movie, like you're what, and it's all visual, you know, for the most part, and you, you do have the audio component. But like, mm-hmm. they wrote this movie, they directed this movie, they filmed this movie this specific way because this is how they want to tell the story. Okay, well, this is how the band wants to tell the story of this album, even if it's not a concept album or anything like that. They're just like, this is how they want the songs to go together, and it should get to a point where you know you hear songs. In a like, if I listen to a playlist now, or if I'm if I'm somewhere and I hear a playlist and I hear a song, I can hear like the opening notes to that next song, and I'm, and then when that song doesn't play, I'm like, it feels like something's broken. Like there's something wrong with the stereo, or like this coffee shop, or or bar. Like like why like why didn't that song play next? And they're the ones making the music. They're the ones pouring their guts out there. They're the ones spending time in the yeah. studio. Like you know, we're just the guys that are spending ten ninety nine or twelve ninety nine or whatever the hell a CD costs anymore to listen to it. It's just interesting that that like that's the way that it is and and it should be that experience like it because it does it makes a lot more sense at least to me, you know. Yeah, people of a, you know, certain age, a little bit older, probably around, you know, like our age and stuff and the and older, I mean, everybody, right. you know, has got a story about, you know, the first record they bought or the first CD they bought or something like that. You know, a lot of people remember that. I, you know, kids now you know, you're not going to have a story about the first playlist you streamed or the first, you know, album on iTunes that you bought, right? Your first download, yeah. The first, uh, the first file share you did on LimeWire, <laughs> right? Well, it's funny, you know, the day that we're doing this, uh, it, as I've been on social media and stuff this morning, the it's the 26th birthday of Verses, and you're just seeing like all these cool stories about like mm-hmm. how people bought Verses in. 90 not 94 92 maybe 92 93 93 pre 94 yeah and it's like i told i saw something this morning where they said i i told my teacher that i needed to get a drink of water and then i walked out of school (laughs) and walked down the street and i bought the album from you know whatever their local record shop was and it's funny because like you know so i'm here in kansas city and like the things that we're good at are barbecue and we have like a pretty like fledging like micro brew beer scene. And mm-hmm. so before we recorded this podcast, I went to a brewery that opened at noon and I got there at 1130 and I was like the 40th person in line and it's their second birthday. So they're doing special beer releases. And I was like, you know, this is fun. Like this reminds me of like the midnight releases of albums mm-hmm. where you'd get there and they might let you into the store and they'd play the album and you could hear yeah. it. 
and you either really liked that because you were excited or you were like, no, 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 no. I don't want to hear it. I want the first time I hear it is when I put it in my uh, Pioneer, you know, off-market CD <laughs> player in my 86 Honda Accord and things like that. And so it's interesting, and it is very much like a generational thing. And I think, you know, the people that grew up with Pearl Jam, like, we get that probably more than anything, and, and we gravitate towards it because everybody remembers their first album. And you remember where you were when you bought Vitology and No Code, and you remember... You know, you remember when the radio station got the album and you got to hear that first single or they'd play that first track from it. Like, I don't listen to the radio that much anymore, if at all. But I got to be honest, I don't think that's happening anymore. It can't be. Yeah, nobody's really hyped up about it. It's like, oh, here's the brand new single. We're premiering it here. And it's just kind of like, ah, you probably have heard this, you know, already from YouTube or whatever. Or you just don't care about the, the artist as much as you do. Maybe you know, maybe like Taylor Swift or something like that. People are like, oh, yeah, new Taylor Swift, you know, yo, here's a brand new song. Oh, yeah. Right. Like, well, so at some point we're going to get a new Pearl Jam album, you know, fingers crossed, uh, hopefully. And we've already heard Can't Deny Me mm-hmm. like two years, you know, prior to the album coming out. And we, you know, and, and we don't know if that'll be on the album. They say it will. But I mean, who the hell knows? But like, it just feels different. And I, you know, and I think that's part of like, you know, you're getting older and, and adjusting to change and, and things like that. But it's you know, it's, it's something it's, it's not, it's not nothing. It's, it's certainly something to deal with. Like, okay, like this is how, this is how this works now. You know, it's not, yeah. uh, you know, I, I listened to this podcast the other day with uh, the drummer from the black keys. And he was talking about how, when they were coming up, they would do the pre album release touring. And then the album would come out and he's like, all right, cool. We're going to get back in the studio. And their manager or record execs or we're like, no, like you're going to go fucking mm-hmm. tour for this album now. And like you can go record in a year after you've done, you know, 200 dates or whatever. And so it's, you know, and I think we all remember that. Like we remember when bands would just have when they would release a tour and you're like, oh, my God, they're definitely coming here because they're going to 150 places, you know. But it, man, it feels like a lifetime ago. Like the biggest tour, the last big tour was the binaural tour, which had. 72 73 dates on it or something like that worldwide yeah you know and now we're we're at a point where last year we had what 10 12 europe dates and seven u.s dates and we're staring 2019 down with no dates and uh you know if you're if you're on the message boards there's maybe an album coming out next year there's maybe a tour depending on who you want to believe but those those days of the of the heavy rotation and and the getting excited about things are are at least gone for right now. But yeah. I mean, I think you would agree. Like you know, when they say that, like, hey, we're gonna have a new album. Like, I'm probably gonna block that day off. I'm probably gonna make sure that I find a midnight release and and go get somewhere. And I know that I can download it from you know whatever online resource. But like, I still think there's something about having that that physical media in your hand and and playing it and staying up till two in the morning and then feeling like shit the next day and seeing how much coffee you can drink to actually get through a day of work. And so they're like, why the hell are you so tired on a, what day do records come out anymore? Friday now? Yeah. Friday is, is Friday albums and CDs or Tuesday or is everything Friday now? No, it's all, it's all, uh, uh, DVDs, movies are, t- are, are still Tuesday and CDs and everything. All, all the music is on Friday now. So streaming okay, and so records gotta- and CDs. Good, and then we just take Friday off, or we just bumble through it, and that's it's only one day, so that's that's no big deal. And you can just tell everyone yeah. it was Thursday Thursdays, or you can just tell them you went and got the new Pearl Jam album. <laughs> yeah, the 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 past couple yeah, of ones I've I've just been getting from their website because it's like, oh, you know, they might have like a little something extra and stuff in it, right? Or you know, a different version, like with uh with self titled and stuff that was like a little different version, at least uh, package wise, than you were, you were able to get in the stores and stuff like that. Plus, too, I don't have any real record stores here. I have, you know, there's here, there's one, there's, eh, there's like one independent record store that like the only new releases they get are for record store day and they just sell used stuff, you know, uh, everything else. And then there's, um, uh, there's Barnes and Noble, which has records. So, but, you oh, know, okay. th- nobody stocks that stuff, you know, day before. So, you know, maybe on Wednesday or Thursday or something like that, the, the new seat, you know somebody has gotten around to to putting up the new stuff and there's there's another independent bookstore that they they do have records and CDs and stuff but it's kind of you don't know what they're really going to get cuz they're like a small thing so you know maybe they'll get this or that but sure yeah it you know and it, it that is super interesting but i guess like 
you're gonna have to edit the shit out of this episode, by the way, which I feel bad. <laughs> I, I feel bad for you. I'm like, Jesus Christ, we're bouncing around a lot. But I was, uh, I, wanted, no, right. I, I wanted to get to this point at some point. One of the things that I did, and it was from listening to some of the other episodes that, that you've done, and I, I know you did a couple with the guys from Live on Four Legs, and I, I like that. I like their approach, and like I like how it blends with with what you're doing here. And I was like, well, I was like, well, how often do they play Spin the Black Circle? And, you know, if, if I go and I look, obviously Corduroy and Better Man, they've played 500 plus times. Right. And but then yeah. everything kind of kind of blends together. And then the next big ones are Last Exit, Not For You, which are both 233 and 234, respectively. But Spin the Black Circle has been played 185 times, which I think based on what I was looking at was maybe about a quarter of the time since they've kind of since they've kind of been out. You know, and then I always, I'm always curious, like, well, how does that relate to like the shows that I've seen? So, so I'm at 21 shows, and I've seen Spin the Black Circle five times. So I'm like, okay, and I've seen Corduroy 17 times. So more often than not, if I'm having a beer before the show, I'm like, we're probably going to get Corduroy tonight. That feels like a lock. And then I was like, well, and then I started to think about it, and I was like, I got Spin the Black Circle really early in like. Uh, the first time I saw him was on the binaural tour. So 2000. And I want to say I got it once or twice on the riot act tour, but it seems like they've been playing it a lot more now, especially since they can pair it with let the records play, which just kind of gives them that nice, like, you know, everybody's creature of habits. And they're like, we can do this little deal where we can play these two songs back to back with records, which is kind of like the new shorter, faster, you know, like the man trilogy with better man, nothing man and leather man. You know, which that used to be something to to hear all those live or at the same show or things like that. But then you start to realize, like, as Eddie gets older and like, you know, he's not singing like he sang in 92. It's an easy song for him to sing uh, vocally. Like, it's not it's not super straining, even though it's it's quick. And he does do a couple screams, but he can also lean on the crowd for those and kind of give himself a break. But it's a it's a real nice fast song where if if the crowd's dragging or the crowd is is really good, you can keep them up. You know, and the fact that you can do that in I think what do we say it was a little it's a little under three minutes. Like it's pretty impressive. You know, even to this day because the you know that song's been out now for twenty five years. Yeah. You know, and so I, it's it's always interesting to me that these songs stand the testament of time. You know, whereas when you heard it in ninety four, I'm sure you were excited. You know, but if you heard it in, in 2019, you're still like, oh, shit, and you're you're hitting your buddy, you know, next to you. And you're like, I love this song. It's so good. Oh, and yeah. then you just kind of lose your mind there for those for those couple minutes, which I which I think is just great. And I think the power to be able to do that time and again, show over show over all these years is uh, is something that's just wildly impressive to me. Yeah. The 16 times I've seen them, they've seen it six times. OK, so you got to that's a good that's a good little ratio. Yeah, I was like, whoa, I didn't know I saw that saw that many times. Yeah. But you know, and it's like I never am disappointed at a at a song that I get live. There's been a couple times where they'll play something a little bit slower and you feel like, ah, they really could have if they could have just done one more, they could have really taken it to another level. But I don't ever remember in all the times I've seen it where I was even the least bit disappointed, you know, or or wanted to, you know, pick nits and say like god they should have played something different like anytime they play that is usually a pretty good time because and and you can play it anywhere you can play it in an encore into a rear view mirror you can play it in the opening set as like as getting everybody going and you know it must be nice when if pearl jam was a restaurant when every dish on your uh, menu is great you were you were talking about the 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 way that the album should sound and everything like that with the the way they're sequenced and everything like that it's like in the uh, in the artwork for the uh, on the song or whatever it says a CD is like bad acid, not for production or consumption. That little uh, sticker right. looking thing or whatever like that in there. It's kind of like the um, like oh the, this is like the perfect way to listen to it. Whereas you know if you're comparing it to film or something like that, it's like oh you know being in the theater and seeing it as opposed to watching it you know on cable or something like that where they you know cut the sides off of the screen and make it full screen or you know cutting out little parts or whatever to put in the commercial breaks and stuff like that no it's yeah it's very true one i think what's funny is that at that time cds were in their heyday you know in the mid 90s right and that was really the only way that you could mass consume stuff i mean i think we've now seen at that point cassettes are are no longer i think everybody's kind of got a cd player 
at that point when this album comes out. So CDs were the mainstream, but you know, like we said, it's it, this is a love song to vinyl, to albums, to the you know, there's that there's that indelible clip. I think it's in PJ Twenty where Eddie holds up ten and he says, "I don't like it because you can't see it. It's like so small. This CD, this like little jewel case." I'm used to an album and it's big and it's like, you know, it's bigger than your head and like you can really wrap yourself into it. And and there's certainly something to be said for that. And I, I don't think he's wrong and I agree with him. And when you listen to stuff on vinyl, you hear stuff that you don't necessarily hear on a CD because of the way that it's the way that it's pressed. You know, it's uh, and anymore. A lot of people are listening. You know, I'm, I'm guilty of this. I drive all the time for work. So I listen to a lot of music in the car and then it sounds so much different in the car than it does at home in the peace and quiet of wherever your record player is. And so it's, it's not like bad acid. I mean, I guess, <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, but, but it's, but it is, it's so much better when you can get it on vinyl, but it's, it's that whole, you know, the artist is saying like, this is how you should do it in a perfect world. And then I think like, we're all like pragmatic, like, well, I've got a spouse or I've got kids or I've got a full-time job and I've got a social life. So my time to actually spend with an album per se is not, you know, like I have to cut some of that time out. Like I have to, you know, we, like we said earlier, it's appointment, it's appointment listening. Mm -hmm. You have to make, you have to make an effort to do it. You know, you can't carry a turntable around with you while you're going up and down the stairs doing laundry and taking the trash out and, and, you know, these menial day-to-day tasks that like that have to happen for you to function. But I think that is what makes it a little bit more special. And I think that's why it sounds a little bit better. And and that's why it costs more to get. I think that's why the liner notes are bigger. I mean, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a, always saying bigger is better, but opening an album and taking out the, the sheets and all that stuff is, is always better than a CD. And, you know, that's coming from somebody that grew up with CDs. And I would always say CDs are better than, you know, digital downloads and stuff like that. So it's kind of a pick your own poison, but having an album and getting why people love albums. And then I guess at least for me, like, like I said, you know, when we talked about this earlier, like this song wasn't played on the radio that much. It didn't feel like it was, but you go back and, you know, and, and now you listen to it and you're like, okay, you can get why someone loves vinyl, you know? And just because the artist loved it first, doesn't mean that it's any, uh, any worse or any better, but like, you can you can start to get once you realize that it's not about heroin and you realize it's about records like it's it's cool and you're like I get it if it was about heroin I wouldn't get it but <laughs> now that I know that it's about records I'm like I get it I get I get why you love it I get where you're coming from and you know what I agree with you and please put another record out before I die for the <laughs> love of god <laughs> the one thing that that this song really conveys is that it's is uh getting vinyl is uh is pretty addicting <laughs> you get you, you know you get one you get a couple you're like oh man i think i need this on vinyl oh, i think oh, yeah. i'm gonna go back and get that on vinyl it's like uh do i want the cd do i want the vinyl it's like oh you know it's gonna come with a digital download anyway so i might as well just get the vinyl and vinyl is so much like pringles you know once you once you pop you can't <laughs> stop it, and yeah. it's so true yeah i think it's, it's it's cooler too, I think. Um, you know, as you as you have kids and stuff like that too. I mean, if they see this big, huge thing, it's kind of like, oh wow, like what is that? And you know, if you have just files on your computer, they're not going to go, you know, sniffing through your computer for looking for music. They're going to like see something, you know, on a wall on a shelf or something like that. It's like, oh wow, cool, look at this, and you can flip through it and be like, oh, wow, what's this? It's like, hey, let's bust that out, let's listen to it, and it's just kind of. It's, it's, you know, it's not out of sight, out of mind. It's there. It's in your hand. You can, you know, you can see it. Well, you can hear it and you can see where it's coming from, which is awesome. And, you know, and I think, I think everybody's guilty of this, that, that buys records is okay. Like how am I in a storm? Am I a, my milk crate kind of guy, which makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Am I, uh, do I have a bookshelf? Do I have a specific record shelf? You know, did I buy the wooden crate that, Pearl Jam released a couple of years ago through some newsletter, you know, because like I just had to have it because it said Pearl Jam <laughs> on it. It and it's funny because it, I think everybody that buys vinyl records has has some level of that. And like, you know, I remember you know going down like a an internet rabbit hole on Instagram or God knows what, and I was like, well, I see a lot of people like displaying their records in cool ways. Like, how do I want to do that? 
And then you find something as simple as like a like little piece of wood that you like, you know, put in your wall. And then that way you can like display your record and, and you do that at home. But then you start to, you start to think back and you're like, when I would go to a record store and they would be playing a record, at least a lot of the, a lot of the ones that I went to, they would have like the record up. And so you could see like, this is what's now playing. You know, it's, it's like the scene in high fidelity, like, Hey, what is this? And, you know, and they tell you, you know, but a lot of the, a lot of the actual record stores, like they'd have it posted, you know, somewhere where you're like, this is what you're listening to. And they do that. And so you can see it. So you know what you're looking yeah, for. You're like, I hear this. I like this. I see this. Okay. I need to go to the B section and I'm looking for this mm-hmm. album that looks just like that one. And then you can keep referencing it, referencing it as you're, as you're thumbing through the records, which is, it's such a great you know, it's such a great way to buy. And like, we see this all the time now. Like, I mean, it's the, this is pre internet, how people did, you know, uh, impulse buying, you know, you see something on, on a pop-up ad or something and you're like, I could use that. That might make my life easier or that might save me a trip somewhere. But you used to be, you'd be at the record store and you'd be there for the new REM album or whatever, or you just knew that you, you were at an impasse with your what you had been listening to lately. You needed something new to to break it up or or revive it or whatever. And so you'd go and you're like, I'm going to look for these five records. And they might have one of them or two of them. But then invariably, I mean, how many times have we all been to a record store where we hear something and then you're like, oh, I'm going to check this out. I like this. And I didn't know anything about it. And I had no intention of coming in here today and buying this record. But then I heard yeah. it, you know. Or you're just looking through the racks. You're like, oh, yeah, I forgot about this. I forgot about this band. It's like, oh, yeah, I want to, you know, it's here. I'm going to get that. Yeah. I'll I'll never forget. And, you know, the, I think I don't think this record store is still open. And I don't remember their name, so I don't think we can do any harm to them. But <laughs> I remember I remember when Binaural was coming out and I remember hearing nothing as it seems on the radio and being so excited for this new album and all these tour dates and all this stuff. And I remember being at my record store looking for. Uh, I want to say I was looking for a bootleg Beastie Boys live album mm-hmm. and I found it, but also I was like listening to something and I was like, uh, whatever they were playing. And I, I went up to the desk and I said, is this, is this Pearl Jam? Cause it sure as shit sounds a lot like Pearl Jam. And I, I'm, I'm almost positive it was thin air that was playing at the, at the time. And she goes, Oh yeah, it is. And I was like, like, well, it doesn't come out till Tuesday. And this is like Wednesday of the, <laughs> the prior week and i was like well do you have do you have it she's like yeah it's right over there and i was like oh my god this is amazing so i remember i remember getting the beastie boys bootleg that i was looking for and then also getting that pearl jam album and i remember you know calling my but one of my buddies on you know the uh the home phone not not the cell phone the you know the dial and it might have even been a freaking rotary phone for all <laughs> i remember at this point and I was like, hey, dude, I have the new Pearl Jam album. And he was like, well, how is it? And I was like, I don't know. I feel dirty listening to it because I shouldn't have it until Tuesday. And I think I might have I think I might have dabbled on it, but I definitely like didn't listen to it on Tuesday, which is probably says more about me than anything else. But yeah, I was going to buy the album anyway. But you you hear it at the record store, just like just like mm-hmm. how you hear stuff. And that's how you how you pick up on stuff. And that's how a lot of us, you know, get into get into music or or expand our horizons or or learn about new music and stuff like that. And it's just, it's such an awesome thing. And which is so great is why, you know, a lot of indie record stores are, are thriving, you know, with this revival of vinyl. Cause there, you know, there was that report uh, uh, pretty recently that vinyl is, has outpaced uh, CDs now. Like if you buy CDs now, yeah, if you're buying CDs now, like you are the yeah. dinosaur. And then I'm like, well, that sucks. I mean, I'm talking buy CDs, but okay. But then it's also, you know, you can just buy the vinyl and then get the digital download, like you were saying. So, you know, a couple ways to skin a cat for sure. Yeah, and, I th- and just yesterday, I think it was just yesterday. I don't know. I saw a, an article that came up that was uh, talking about how, um, you know, people saying it's like, oh, people just say that, you know, records sound better than CDs or streaming or something like that. And, you know, it was like scientifically, it's, you know, it's kind of like, ah, it's got the exact same information. So there's all this, but. You know, they they actually go into like more science and stuff like that, and they're saying it's like, oh no, no, it, it does because of. I think I I hadn't read the whole article. I started reading it last night. Last night, I was like, oh man, I don't want to read this as I'm trying to fall asleep. I'm gonna be awake as I'm reading this, and I think they're saying it's like because um it has all of the uh it has the whole time in there, like nothing is kind of like clipped out. How like you know if you're 
watching a movie or whatever, it's, you know, 33, you know, or 32 frames a second. And so if it's your mind fills in the gaps of the movement. And so, you know, CDs and digital and stuff like that, you know, you know, nano gaps in between all the information of the ones and zeros and stuff. But, you know, on vinyl, it has the whole continuous sound. And so there's, a you know, little tiny, you know, spots of the music that is included in that that is just left out of uh, of digital. And so that's that's why it sounds different and it sounds more immediate and fuller and stuff like that. One, it's got, you know, you're hearing it how it's it's almost like being in the recording studio. You know, and you're you're hearing it the way that they intended you to hear it, which is which is the way that it's mixed on the vinyl, but also you know kind of goes into that that orientation that we were talking about with like why why certain songs lead an album off, why certain songs end an album, and and things of that nature. You know, and if somebody's going to make art and you can enjoy it the way that they intended you to, it kind of feels like that's probably the way to go about it. You know, you know more often than not, and and certainly you can you can interpret it how you might want to, you know, cause, uh, you and I might listen to, uh, rear view mirror and, and think about it in completely different ways. Right. And that doesn't mean that you're wrong or I'm wrong. Um, it just means that we interpret it different ways. And, and I think that's one of the things that's been nice that, you know, they're pretty protective about telling you what a song is about as to not ruin any of those, uh, those interpretations that you might have. But as long as you can enjoy it, or, or not even enjoy it as long as you can experience it the way that they wanted you to experience it. Like it feels like you're giving yourself your best shake there. You know, you know, I, I, I think that's why remember like on your like CD home stairs, you could put like mix. And so you could put an album shuffle. in and then it would, yeah, yeah, shuffle, shuffle. Yes. You know, uh, and it would, and it would play the songs in, in that wonky order. Right. And so maybe that, maybe that would like mm-hmm. come off a little bit differently, but you know, if you're like me and we, uh, like I said this earlier, like, that one song plays and you're like, Oh, here comes, here comes this. And then it's something different. You're just like, oh. and also want to, and also on the CDs, you know, it would, if it played like track eight and then went back to track one, track eight would end. And then you'd hear it go like, cause it would like, you know, it had to flip it back. Like you were scanning back and then mm-hmm. and you're like, okay. Like if you had your eyes closed, you're like, this is going to be towards the beginning or the end of the album. Like this is, this track is not near this track in terms of, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of like the original playlist, which I always thought was like super funny. That's pretty much it for this song, right? There's. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, I, I was just, I, it's I was basic. just thinking, I was like, shit, dude, I don't think we've, I think we've tackled it all. Well, I mean, like, like we were, you know, talk about, it, you know, it's just basically just about records and they're awesome. And I mean, if you're, if you're talking about, you know, if you're talking about this song, you're going to eventually, you, you got to talk about vinyl and you got to talk about, you know, listening to music. And that's basically what this song is about. So, I mean. Yeah. Well, it, you know, and it's an homage to vinyl records and things like that. And I, and I think the thing that's cool about this is that people probably uh, like myself, I liked, I liked this song on the surface, even though I might have not uh understood it properly you know the first couple times but then once i got into vinyl i liked it but you wonder how many people understood that this song was about vinyl and then went and sought out vinyl Mm -hmm. because of it and then i'm sure there's people that seek out vinyl and then are like god i really wish i didn't get into vinyl but for the most part i think if you seek it out i mean i think you wind up enjoying it so i i it'd be there's no way we could ever quantify this or do this but i'm sure there's a subset of people out there that listened to this song and then got into vinyl because of it and probably love vinyl now and and have never turned back and and i think that's awesome i mean and i'm hoping that you know pearl jam gets a a cut of royalties for all vinyl record sales because they need more money (laughs) yeah pearl jam's the reason i I, i'm into vinyl you know they release stuff on vinyl i'm like hey they're my favorite band i'm gonna get their stuff it's like oh branch out and why don't i get this band on vinyl why don't i do that too so yep no that's absolutely true yeah a buddy of mine was giving me a bunch of shit last time uh he was in town to visit he's like yeah i mean you have a lot of pearl jam vinyl he's like well, you don't have much else and i'm like well i'm getting there i'm just look i that stuff's tried and true i know i want that on vinyl you know and then i'm i'm a little bit more hesitant yeah. I'm, I'm not nearly as nilly willy where i, I want to go out and an album that I haven't heard from an artist that I like, but don't love, like I'm not, I'm not ready to buy that final. Like, and, and maybe that says something about my commitment issues or something. I'm not sure. 
I think too, like the well, with the the only other lyrical sort of thing you can pull from is you know the saying, oh, you know, the ritual or something like that. It's sort of like, oh, you know, you have to take out the album, take out the uh, the the sleeve it's in, take the record out, you know, wipe, you know, get your your little brush to get any dust off of, and then you're gonna you know lift up the lid and put it down, put the record down and the needle. And then when that's over, you got to get back up and flip it over. Yeah. It's all, it's a, it's a, it's a whole, you know, like they say ritual, it's, it's a whole physical motion and dance you have to go through in order to listen to it. And it's like, do I want to go through all that just to listen to eh, something that's just okay or something that I don't know if I want to listen to all the time like that something that i'd rather just you know hit a button on my phone or you know open up a case slap in a cd and you know do it like that with right yeah i mean you hear about people doing you know records like in their living room as like background noise as they you know kind of go about their day and and i and i get that but i'm also like i i don't know man like it there's something there that i like the i like the way you phrase that where you're saying it's like it's it's a ritual because it is because it really is a process like I'm going to go to where my record player is because it's your record player is not portable. You know, more often than not, I'm going to take this album out. I'm going to pull it out of the sleeve. Like there's, you have the steps and, you know, as I've, I've got a five-year-old and as I've like taught him, like how we, how we turn the record player on and, and things like that. He's like, okay. He's like, and then we got to do this and we got to pull the handle. And I'm like, yeah. And then you gotta, you gotta turn on the speakers cause they're, you know, self-powered. And like it, it is, it's very much a ritual, but, the the effort makes it worth it for sure because of because of the output yeah yeah just like doing baby shark you got to do all the moves that uh <laughs> they go with it and <laughs> you're not wrong but that's also wrong to say <laughs> well you know it's like teaching you know teaching kids it's like you do these moves or you do the hokey pokey or whatever sort of thing you get you that's get your true. movement in there too and it helps you it helps you learn it gets it, it all connects into your brain I just got to think we're collecting extra dad points by uh, turning them onto records as opposed to Baby Shark. But, you know, <laughs> you also don't well, want I think they had a record store day, uh, Baby Shark release, uh, I think, uh, the first one this year or something like that. Uh, I know. I did see that. And I was like, God damn it. And I was like, my kid probably <laughs> would like that. But I was like, that just cannot be in my house. So I was like, so we're just we're out on that. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything you want to hit people to anything that either you're doing or stuff you, you see out in the world that you think people should check out or something? Uh, no, I, I wish that I had like something really cool to say or, or point people in the direction to, um, if you're not listening to Brandy Carlisle, you need to get on that. Other than that, I, I don't, I don't have anything else. It was this year or last year that her newest one came out. I think it was last year, and she just started doing yeah. the stuff with the high women. Yeah, yeah. But I, I saw her live on the. I saw her live last year, right before the home shows, and it was great. And uh, she just came through town a couple months ago, and she's just she's just outstanding. And she does have you know some of that Seattle connection. I know her and Mike are friends, and I know PJ did that cover um, on her cover stories album that came out a couple years ago, but. She's doing great things, and if you're not checking her out, you should. Um, but there's nothing in my life that you should be checking out because none of it's that interesting. <laughs> well, at least there's there's this podcast you've been on. This episode, check your check out your release episode too, right? <laughs> That's true. Absolutely, yeah. It's been funny when a couple of my buddies have found these podcasts and like, God, I didn't know you were on there, and I'm like, Oh God, where's this going? And they're like, oh, that's good. I enjoyed it. I'm like, all right, very good. <laughs> so no, but I appreciate it. I I appreciate you having me on. These are these are fun to do. These are nice little blocks to just kind of nerd out and kind of talk about something I don't get to talk about on a on a day to day basis. So I do appreciate it, and uh, I love all the episodes, and I, I like what you're doing, and I hope we can do this again some other time. Oh yeah, definitely have you back on. Thanks a lot for coming on. I appreciate it, man. All right, take care, bud. I'll talk to you soon. The Better Brand Podcast is produced by ListenUpReno.com and Brandon Palomo and published using a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 4.0 license. Please visit creativecommons.org or email listenupreno at gmail.com for more details. All music played is owned by the respective publishers and copyright holders and is reproduced for review purposes only under fair use. 
can subscribe to the Better Band Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or from betterbandpod.com using your favorite podcast app. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at ListenUpReno. I am also on Twitter at BrandonP at B-R-A-N-D-E-N-P. If you would like to be a guest on a future episode, send an email to betterbandpod at gmail.com or send any insights and stories you'd like to share and I'll read them on the season finale episode. Again, I'd like to thank my guest Ryan and as always, this is Brandon saying, Hello, this is Bob. What the hell am I doing in Springfield Hope? Hey, how about that Mayor Quimby? He's some golfer. His golf ball spends more time underwater than Greg Luganis.